And so I think for me, soul care speaks to getting to the root of some of the beliefs we have about ourselves, the beliefs we have about the world, and how do we be well? How do we, as we're going to be talking about more, develop resilience so that we can interact with the challenges around us from a more grounded place. To define therapy is um, maybe more of a challenge, but I think sometimes people think in terms of addressing emotional well-being and potentially past trauma or childhood experiences or present day circumstances and their emotional effect from that, which obviously has physical and other ramifications. Welcome to the Agora Network Ministries podcast, Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health and the church. Listen in as our host, Evan Roars Dodge, shares practical, educational, and insightful information about the mental health conversation and the stigma inside the walls of the church. Our hope is that through informative interviews with leading mental health professionals and people in the field, and through the stories of healing and transformation, you will find that hope and healing can be found in body, soul, and spirit. To learn more, go to agoranetworkministries.com and follow us on social media. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to this episode of Hope for the Agora. My name is Evan, I'm your host, and I'm excited to have a returning guest today, Bethany Dearborn-Heiser. Bethany, it's great to see you. Thank you for joining me in conversation again. Thanks, Evan. It's great to be here. And Bethany, you are in Seattle. Yes. Right. Um, so you're mm-hmm. here. You're, you're stateside. I know a lot of our listeners are in Canada. Bethany is stateside, but that's not terribly far from the no, Canadian it's a couple border, of is it? Hour and a half or so. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Very mm-hmm. cool. And uh, you're having a sunny day there, and it's raining here. So I don't know what's yes. going on in the world. <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, Bethany, I know. I'm sure some of our listeners uh, really in- enjoyed hearing you on the podcast last year, but um, for those who may need a refresher, can you uh, just share with us again um, what you're doing out there in Seattle and a little bit about you? Sure, yeah. So I um, I have two little kids, four and two. So I work part-time as a, the director of Soul Care for Northwest Family Life, which is a network of therapists and that are trained specifically in trauma and accompanying people who are affected by violence and domestic violence and trafficking. So we have a home for women who need a safe place and accompanying care for them. And I get to support the staff, which is a gift. I've worked in domestic violence shelters and worked as a chaplain in a jail and as well as ministry among migrant farm worker families and people not yet in recovery from substance use. And so I come from this work now after experiencing my own burnout and the need for my own recovery. Um, so I've become passionate about taking, helping others take care of themselves, especially in the face of challenging circumstances and work. Um, Bethan, just because I'm, I'm curious and maybe, um, maybe some listeners or curiosity has peaked, how would soul care differ from, say, conventional therapy, counseling, spiritual direction, um, what, what makes it uh, unique, if, if anything? Mm, that's a good question. I think I've, sometimes people might think of soul care as just spiritual care, but I think I've come to see it as 
kind of whole person. I mean, the Hebrew understanding of the soul is actually mind, body, spirit. It's very all-encompassing. Um, and the intertwining aspect of that, that when we, when I exercise, it benefits me um, mentally, physically, when I go for a run, mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, even relationally, I come back more grounded and more able to interact with my family and my kids. Um, and so I think for me, soul care speaks to getting to the root of some of the beliefs we have about ourselves, the beliefs we have about the world, and how do we be well? How do we, as we're going to be talking about more, develop resilience so that we can interact with the challenges around us from a more grounded place? To define therapy is um, maybe more of a challenge, but I think sometimes people think in terms of addressing emotional well-being and potentially past trauma or childhood experiences or present day circumstances and their emotional effect from that, which obviously has physical and other ramifications. Um, you also mentioned the spiritual or? Yeah, something like you know spiritual direction, uh, social work, coaching, like any of those kind of corollary mm-hmm. uh, fields. Yeah, yeah. well, they, I think they obviously all overlap, maybe Venn diagram of sorts. And I'm a social worker by training, but I'm now in spiritual direction training. So I, uh, I weave together kind of different tools in my work. I've been trained as a relapse prevention counselor working with people. Um, and so I, I utilize some of those tools actually in soul care. And I also utilize, guide people in spiritual practices and pray through things with people. Um, and so I, I weave together a variety of trainings and streams in the work that I do. And I think that's maybe what sets soul care and, and spiritual direction apart. Um, and yet my focus is particularly on how do we be well in our life and work. Um, whereas I think spiritual direction in some soul care too um, is more just noticing God in your midst uh, in the day to day and addressing um, being, being more fully who God has created you to be um, in a more open and general way. Very helpful. Thank you. For, thanks for sharing that. Um, so, and you mentioned in, in your response to that, which I appreciate a great segue into a conversation about resilience. Resilience for uh, Agora Network Ministries has become the watchword for, for this year. So a lot of um, programs, resources, a lot of emphasis on resilience. And so Bethany, as I understand resilience, it's really the ability to sort of bounce back um, from maybe a traumatic event, uh, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual ability to, to, to be strong, um, to be able to stand, uh, you know, firm, perhaps in the midst of difficulty. Um, how would you define resilience and, um, how perhaps in your work of soul care, um, then we're, you know, we'll talk about your book as well, because I think that that's a great interface for resilience, but, how would you define it and how does it come up in your work? Yeah, it's a great question. I think adding to the bouncing back more quickly, I think I would say I've seen descriptions and research around that resilience is um, to bounce back with also less stress than someone whose resilience is less developed. Um, so sometimes it's, it's talked about as the capacity for stress-related growth. Um, and that sometimes people talk about resilience has two parts that it can be bouncing back from uh, one big, you know, life adversity or trauma or big work changes, but also can be resilience from dealing with the daily hassles and stress, which obviously this 
pandemic, there's been a lot of just daily stress for people. Um, but aside from that, just the, the challenges of life. And so I think sometimes it's helpful to expand that definition a little bit to acknowledge just the daily stress of life uh, and how do we be well um, and practice, engage with practices that help us to stay grounded and rooted and navigate stress in a more healthy way. So for your second part of the question in terms of soul care, so I just actually led a soul care group this morning for our staff and I lead one, um, I lead them weekly and then I also lead a monthly one that is more open to, to the community and all Zoom. And so, um, and part of that, so I lead breath prayer, um, kind of a grounding practice, body-based practices, some of these practices that help us get in touch with what we are doing or what we are feeling and not just as much as what we are doing in our life. And so when we are so full and busy, it can be hard for us to slow down and to notice what's actually going on in me. <laughs> um, how am I doing? How am I feeling? And cultivating these practices of slowing down, of meditation and reflection. We can talk more about different practices, but they actually help us to navigate stress um, in other moments in our day. That's very helpful. Um, could you take us through some of those practices and perhaps the benefits of, you know, you mentioned a few meditation, mindfulness exercises, uh, maybe physical exercise, things that might build resilience. Perhaps you could walk us through some of those and, um, you know, how, how one might begin to cultivate some practices geared toward resiliency. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think, um, so I mentioned breathing, breath prayer. So breath prayer for, for those who aren't familiar is connecting our breath with a prayer to God. And so there, that inherently takes us, invites us to slow down and to just be conscious of our breath and breathing in for those who are connecting spiritually with God and breathing in God's presence and breathing out anything that they're holding onto that is draining them or taking life. So it's a very physical embodied practice that is also spiritual. So that's an example and one that I often start in so in just in individual meetings I have with people or also groups. Uh, then also just the body practice, doing body scans. I mean, there's a lot of really great work out there right now that has resources. Resma Menikin and his um, book, My Grandmother's Hands, it has is loaded with body-based practices that help us to slow down and recognizing the way that movement and even subtle, you know, just putting our hand on our chest and breathing or humming that that actually can help ground us. Um, so it's really fascinating as I continue to learn more and then guide people in practices in a safe kind of contained way that that we can, it can, doesn't take always a lot of time to help us regulate. And I think that's the, when our, when we're worked up and we're stressed that these these practices help us slow down and regulate ourselves, um, which basically means kind of just coming back to an equilibrium where we're able to think more clearly, we're able to process life from a more from with more patience. Um, we're giving ourselves the capacity to respond from our true selves. Yeah. You said something there that that really caught me was that. Um, let me know if, if I heard you correctly, something about introducing these practices in a safe 
contained way or environment, um, mm-hmm. which made me think, you know, what, what getting, I think, into the conversation about best practices for resiliency, what, what is there about the environment in which they'd be introduced? Or, or for, so for example, is, are, there, are there certain things to avoid, certain triggers to avoid, certain environments to cultivate that might allow for these practices to be uh, m- most fruitful? Mm, that's a great question. I mean, I think slowing down can bring up a lot for, th- for people. I used to go into the jail and we would lead women um, in reflections and Bible study and meditations. And um, there's literally um, moving fast and being busy creates adrenaline and that shuts down our capacity to feel and process emotion. And so when we slow down, emotions come up that maybe we don't want or to have the capacity to deal with. And so I think being aware of that um, and maybe even giving that as a when you create an event or you invite people to something, just acknowledging that, that, you know, things might come up for you. Do you, what kind of support do you have? Do you have a therapist and making sure that as you close that people are aware, whether that's you, that you're, if it's a pastor, you're continuing to provide support um, and care for that person, or you're connecting people with further therapy. Um, so that it's not, it's not just neutral, <laughs> that they're simple practices and they also can, um, can bring up things for people. So being conscious of that. And even if you don't, you know, not trying to be a therapist, but connecting people to therapy can be really um, powerful. So yeah, does that help answer that question? That's great. And that's, I, I love what you said at the end there, because, you know, a lot of our listeners and people connected to the ministry are church leaders, pastors, lay people. One of my uh, mantra, ministry uh, principles as a pastor is that I got to know my lane. I am mm, not a trained mm-hmm. therapist, right? Mm-hmm, and I can mm-hmm. actually do significant harm if I attempt to engage in a therapeutic relationship with a parishioner. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's, a, that's an ethical uh, issue for sure. Mm-hmm. And so refer, you know, refer, connect mm-hmm. people to good resources mm-hmm. and people who are skilled in, in areas. And so I appreciate that word. And I, you know, that mm-hmm. leads into um, a follow-up question that I had, which you started to answer there so wonderfully, which was what, how might a faith community work on building kind of individual and perhaps maybe even corporate resilience. I mean, you've talked about mm-hmm. some practices, you talked about, you know, referring for connecting people with a good therapist, whether mm-hmm. an individual or group therapy. Within the context of a faith community, though, and what that faith community is able to offer, what might be a couple, few best, best practices or principles for resiliency? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I, I think I could talk for a while about that. I um, maybe have some opinions that would shake things up, but I think, because I think there's a lot of room for that. I think whether it's starting a sermon with inviting people to slow down and notice their breaths, I mean, we're actually able to hear more and process and connect with God, inviting that connection in the church service uh, through quiet, through silence. I mean, I think we're uncomfortable with silence. And for me, centering prayer, slowing down has been a huge gift and remedy to my busyness and my workaholism. And then I see that practice listed 
in you know psych central or psycho psychology today's 11 best practices for cultivating resilience it's meditation and it's spirituality and so the faith based church has a plays a role actually in cultivating resilience because it is fostering spirituality it's fostering spiritual practices and whether that's outside of the church or actually in a church setting there's great capacity for that i mean and, and again to remember this is a muscle that um, we can develop rather than a quality that we are just born with. And so I think to, um, and actually that's a quote, that it's a muscle that we develop rather than a quality that we are born with. And I think that's helpful to remember that this might not come easy for us and it might not come easy for the church. It might not come easy for, for us as individuals, but that doesn't mean we're bad at it. It just means that we have capacity to grow in it and to practice. Um, and it can feel uncomfortable. It can feel oh, why? or waste of time. You know, centering prayer for those who are not familiar is spending a certain period of time in stillness and just choosing one word as an anchor word to come back to as kind of a sacred word. Um, and then letting go of other thoughts as they come and just and kind of the practicing that verse of be still and know that I am God. And so what if our churches had three minutes of silence? Or what if our um, small groups invited body-based <laughs> reflections and body scans and slowing down? Uh, it's interesting, even in Resma Menikin's work about somatic therapy, he talks about humming and singing collectively as a, as a tool for cultivating resilience. And we do that, you know, that's, it's just interesting to think about even the benefit of that psychologically, um, that that's already happening. So to recognize the gift that faith-based settings already are playing too. When I was in seminary, um, I took a course and the professor used, I think it was Cynthia Bourgeau, um, her work on centering prayer. Maybe it was something from mm -hmm. Richard Rohr, I don't remember, but we would sit in silent centering prayer for 20 minutes before mm -hmm. class. And I remember mm -hmm. after like two or three minutes thinking, oh, it's gotta be 20 minutes by now. <laughs> And, uh -huh. and at least for me, and maybe this is indicative of just kind of our, you know, our Western, you know, busy lives that, that we lead sitting in silence uh -huh. 20 minutes. It, at the beginning, it was almost insurmountable. Mm -hmm. I, 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 it was really hard to do it. But after doing it again and again and again, week after mm -hmm. week, still felt like a long time, but it was it was less it felt like it was less of a chore and i started to receive something from it and so what i hear you saying is that like this is developing these practices it's like toning a muscle i mean it, it's cultivating a habit it takes mm -hmm. time and mm -hmm. uh, that's that's part of the journey yeah and i think if sometimes the fruit of those practices we don't experience in the moment but we experience it later in the day so when I practice centering prayer in the morning or in the evening, um, I'm more grounded and better able to return to a grounded state when my kid's behavior is pressing my buttons, for example. Um, and if I'm exhausted and, you know, at my wit's end, that even then these practices can, can come in handy in those moments. Um, and so I think, like the, even it's that capacity to let go that we practice in, in stillness. Okay. Yep. That, that thought is coming to mind, but that's not actually true. You know, that, that right. practice, we might utilize that in other moments. Yeah. 
your kids press your buttons too? I thought that was just- Oh yeah. <laughs> it's good to recognize that they're my buttons sometimes. That yeah. Impressed, but yes. <laughs> well, we're take a short break and I'll be right back with my guest, Bethany Dearborn-Heiser. Agora Network Ministries is once again hosting the Perseverance Conference, moving towards greater mental wellness. Join us on May 14th, beginning at noon Eastern. The Perseverance Conference brings together mental health experts, doctors, and advocates to have honest discussions on best practices to improve mental health in an interactive live stream experience. It's an opportunity to engage with the speakers and ask for the advice you need. This year's speakers include Elizabeth Manley, Olympic medalist, author, actor, coach, and an active mental health advocate, as well as Corey Hirsch, NHL goaltender, NHL coach, Olympic silver medalist, and mental health advocate. And we're really excited, too, to have Dr. Caroline Leaf with us, who is a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist with numerous books to her name, like Cleaning Up Your Mental Wellness and the very popular Switch On Your Brain. And of course, Mike Sherboneau will be our host and moderator. Be sure to join us May 14, beginning at noon Eastern time. Go to perseveranceconference.ca and register today and find out more information. And now, back to our podcast. Bethany, you're the author of the book, uh, From Burned Out to Beloved, Soul Care for Wounded Healers. And we talked some about the book the, uh, last time you were on the podcast. Can you give us a refresher? What's the general thesis of the book? What um, what, what are some of the topics that you tackle in it? And then we'll, we'll talk about that book uh, in light of uh, resilience. Sure. So the book weaves together various streams of spiritual practices, recovery lens, trauma, it's like understanding secondary trauma, and my story. So it's the intent is it for it to be a tool for other people who are helping professionals, but really all people. I mean, I've heard feedback this past year and a half um, from people. I guess it came back came out a year ago, November, and. I mean, it's been a hard couple of years for, for people. And so there's been a lot of burnout in a lot of different areas. So it's not even a, just for helping professionals. I mean, I think it's uh, how do we live grounded in who we are uh, as beloved children of God? I mean, that's kind of my core premise. There's, there's other books that talk about resiliency and burnout that aren't coming from uh, a foundation that we are beloved children. But I this, I wanted that to be the center of, of my book is that we need to know that we are beloved children of God because we, um, because we deserve it, because we are beloved, so that we can be well in this world um, and because God loves us, because God, we're God's children. And so we need to tend to ourselves from that grounded place, knowing our belovedness and then able to live out of our belovedness. Uh, so that theme weaves throughout the whole book. Uh, and I include variety of reflection questions and practices um, and intend to make it not trauma triggering with lots of stories. I more just tell kind of my own journey of, of from recovery um, towards thriving, which is the end chapter um, or end section, which really is what ties most into what we're talking about here in terms of, and so in that, in that section, I talk about 
choosing gratitude, uh, cultivating these rhythms of rest, and um, even laughter and play and improv. And the more, again, I look at resilience, those are often talked about things that we can do to cultivate resilience. When you were talking about what sounds to me issues of identity, right? mm -hmm. that, we're, that we're children of God and God loves us so, does, does that for you or, or could that form kind of the foundation of resiliency? Yeah, I think that, I mean, that does for me is that, and I think even as I look at other definitions of resiliency and things that they recommend is one thing that people talk about is reframing the situation. Mm -hmm. And I think there's often, there's even a reframing when we feel like we don't have worth or we don't have value or why should I do this to myself? Why do I deserve taking care of myself when so many people are suffering um, or I'm too busy? So we need to reframe it. We need to reframe it that God invites us to, to rest, that it is not all up to us. I mean, that's a practice of reframing that we can engage in, that we are not the Messiah, <laughs> that God is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Messiah, that we, we get to participate in what God is doing, but it is not all up to us. And I think those that reorienting is actually a practice that cultivates res resiliency and is also based in a spiritual practice <laughs> and a truth, re reframing towards truth. Um, yeah, and I, I also hear a lot of freedom in that, mm -hmm. that it's not, you know, the, the work doesn't doesn't depend on us. Uh, when uh, when Oscar Romero, you know, the assassinated mm -hmm. Archbishop, mm -hmm. Catholic Archbishop in uh, in Central America was, he was uh, martyred in the 80s, I believe, early 80s. Anyway, mm -hmm. when he was canonized, there was a prayer written for that service. And there's a couple of lines in that that stick with me. And one is, you know, um, we are not the master builders. Mm -hmm. you know, we, we plant seeds that one day will grow. You know, the work does mm -hmm. not rise and fall on us. And mm -hmm. I hear you echoing that a lot, you know, what you're talking about, and that mm -hmm. perhaps that mindset can really foster resilience. Mm -hmm. you know? um, because I, I know that when I assume too much, when I try to take on too much, which often at the core of that is this, you know, understanding that so much rises and falls on me and what I mm -hmm. do, my stress level goes way up. Mm -hmm. my anxiety goes up mm -hmm. so when i understand who i am in relation to god and to others and what god has called me to do which is to not you know um not be the master builder but to just be faithful with a little bit that i've mm -hmm. been given that that for me helps with with my resiliency you know so. yes definitely i i feel similar and i think i mean in my book i talk about codependency with our workplace mm -hmm. and often we think about that in terms of interpersonal relationships but i for me it's been helpful to reframe that and to think about how i've felt i've been codependent with my work i can't stop i have to keep going and um i am the master builder i have to you know these these beliefs that i didn't even realize i believed and was living out of that i've had to unpack and, and so i talk a lot about that is unpacking our false beliefs and doing our own inner work in order to then step forward with new practices. So it's not just about doing more. Sometimes it's about doing less or doing differently. And, and that can be challenging um, for us. And that can take time again and patience. But I, I think it's helpful, especially for people who I can't do self-care. I don't have time for that. Well, actually, sometimes it's really small, tiny practices 
perhaps it's not checking your phone right away in the morning. Um, so one of the things I, I do is I lead workshops and CE workshops for therapists and other people um, and just open workshops. And I recently led one on internal narratives and I would ask people, you know, how many of you check your phone <laughs> every day, first thing off in the morning? And I said, invite people to just um, respond anonymously in the chat we're on zoom and um you know most people that's the first thing that they they do right away in the morning and so you're you're immediately thinking of the things that you need to do or what you haven't done um or what's going on in the news and mm -hmm. what if you spent those five minutes in cultivating a different practice yeah. um or just not doing that right away and so i think it's helpful again I, one of the things for cultivating resiliency is having really small steps of change. And that has been helpful for me too, as um, to focus on what is actually something I can do that's simple and enough to be attainable. And then when I do that, then I actually have a sense of, it builds my resilience. I think, oh, I, I do that. And I can, I can add to that rhythm. Um, so it could be five to 10 minutes of stillness or stretching or listening to music at the beginning or end of your day. And it, and this is a lot of what I um, talk about, especially at the end of the book. Um, yes. But these practices that can ground us in God and our identity as beloveds. And one of the many gifts in your book is that you move from kind of theory to practice. You know, you're constantly mm -hmm. going back and forth and bringing the two together and offering readers, you know, practices, tips, ideas uh, for how to cultivate them, their souls, and mm -hmm. how to, I guess. You know, ultimately, be uh, the resilient people that that God has created them to be. So mm. that's very helpful. That is my hope, indeed. Yeah. Well, Bethany, your book um, "From Burned Out to Beloved: Soul Care for Wounded Healers" is available to our listeners. You can go to Agora Network Ministries .com, click the shop um, tab, and then you can go there and you can purchase your book through our website. And we're so grateful for that, Bethany. Um, if anybody wants to connect with you online, on social media, on a website to get to know you and your work a little bit more, is there a way they can do that? Yeah, I have a website, bethanydearbornheiser.com. And I also am on Instagram and Twitter a little bit. I think I've lent, I've pulled back kind of my own practice of um, slowing down. Um, and I also have a Facebook, Soul Care for Wounded Healers, which is the, the subtitle of my book. Um, and I often post events there. Uh, but I send out a monthly newsletter, which you can people can sign up for on my website. And that's probably the best way to find out about events that are happening. Um, it's a monthly soul care newsletter with a reflection practice, resources that I've found out about that I love, and um, as well as any upcoming events. Excellent. Well, thank you, Bethany. It's been great to talk to you again. And um, great to talk to you. I'm glad that you're willing to come back on and share a bit about resilience in your book. So we appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you found it helpful and informative. We are always open to your comments and suggestions. You can contact us at info at agoranetworkministries.com. You can also go to our website for resources, information, and upcoming events. Just head over to agoranetworkministries.com. If you would like to support the work of Agora Network Ministries, including this podcast, you can find a link on our site. We appreciate your support. We pray that your week is blessed.
Bye for now.